So, welcome. I thought you'd enjoy that clip. We just heard the wonder of being saved from the perspective of the man who was crucified next to Jesus. And I just love that expression, the man on the middle cross yeah. said I could come. And what the preacher there was saying that on what grounds are we saved? We should never answer that in the first person. It should always be in the third person. It's because of Jesus. <laughs> it's because of him. It's because of his love. It's because of his death. It's because of his cross. But the man on the middle cross said, I could come. And, and he says that to us today. He has opened the door. He says, come. Come. Come where? Come to him. Come when? Come now. Always. The word is come. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. You know, when I'm weary, can I come? Yes, I can come. When I'm hot, can I come? Yes, I can come. Yes. So how was the dying thief saved? Well, he's saved the same way that we've all been saved or being saved. He was saved by grace. It was a gift. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit enabled him to see Jesus, to see the Savior. So I'm just going to read the passage from Luke's Gospel, Luke 23:39. It's a remarkable passage because actually the way he was saved is the way we're all saved. So this is Mark 23:39. It says, one of the criminals who hang there ins heard insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, saying, don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. Mm -hmm. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So the man that was literally crucified with Jesus, and that is our position as well. It tells us that we are crucified with the Lord. The one that was literally crucified with him uh, could see by the work of the Holy Spirit a number of things which are quite remarkable. First of all, he could see that Jesus was innocent, whereas he himself was guilty. So he knew he was receiving the just reward for, for his life and his misdemeanor and his crime. But he could see that Jesus was, was dying for something that he hadn't done. This man is innocent. So he recognized his own guilt and Jesus' innocence, like all of us, by the grace of God. He then called on the name of the Lord which is also remarkable. He said, Jesus, remember me. Jesus, save me. So somehow by the Holy Spirit, he saw the person next to him as the savior. And then again, remarkably, he said, remember me when you come in your kingdom, which actually is remember me when you come again in your kingly majesty, remember me He's saying, I can see you are the king. 
which is just remarkable. So he had this gracious revelation of the Savior, which is what we all had, which is how we became saved. We had this gracious gift. Paul calls it faith, but it's a gift to see that God saves. And we asked him to save us. And it's all the gift of God. And, and Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, says these words, that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, to ask a crucifying, dying man to save you. That sounds foolishness to me. And the other criminal just hurled insults at him because he could see in his natural eye that this wasn't a king. He was someone that was pretending to be a king in his mind, but the thief on the cross on the other side, somehow by grace, somehow by the Holy Spirit, saw who Jesus was. That even though he was dying the death of a criminal, he was indeed the king. Remember me when you come in your kingly majesty. To see somebody in the state that Jesus was in, flogged, whipped, bow beaten, crown of thorns crushing his head, blood pouring all over him. To see him as the king was remarkable work of the Holy Spirit. And it's the same with us today. It's as though Jesus is, 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 is nobody, but he, to the eyes of faith, which is a gift of God, he is the king that saves. And that's how we got saved too. So Paul also says that in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom didn't know him. One of the thieves didn't know him. But by the grace of God, God was pleased by the foolishness of the message of the cross to save those who believe. It's through the foolish message of the cross, a dying king, a dying God who died in my place. That is the message that saves us. And we, as Alex was saying on that little clip, we must preach the cross to ourselves almost daily, if not daily, that he stood in my place. He set me free. It's by his grace and absolutely unmerited, unconditional, full and complete grace. And Paul goes later in, well, in Romans, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. The gospel, the message of the cross is the power of God that brings saving power to us, to everyone who believes. So the message of the cross is, is really, in one sense, very simple. It's Christ died for our sins. And the gospel by which we are saved is the same. It's Christ died for our sins. And 1 Corinthians 15, Paul explains the gospel. Uh, well, he doesn't explain it. He just tells it. He says, now, brothers and sisters, this is verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 to 4. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel, the good news. I proclaim to you which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. There's, there's, there's no wiggle room there. It's by this gospel. It's by this good news. You are saved. You hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. It's quite clear that he's talking about this word that somehow is, is, is sort of going a little bit out of fashion in the church. By this gospel, 
you are saved. He said it again and again. He said, it's, it's please God to save through the message of the cross those who believe, to save them. This is the power of God for salvation. To us who are being saved, the message of the cross is the power of God. So what does it mean to be saved? And, and the word saved has this sense of rescue and deliverance about it. It's being brought to a place of safety. And so I just want to unpack that a little bit tonight. So firstly, to be saved, we must be saved from something. I'm sure you'd agree with that. If somebody is in a burning building and is rescued from it, he's saved from the collapse and the burning of that building. So what are we saved from? What are we rescued from? Well, firstly, we're actually saved from judgment, a condemnation. That wonderful verse, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So we're saved, you know, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. It's the opposite of condemnation. It's the opposite of perishing. So we're saved from judgment. We're saved from condemnation. We're saved from God's just right anger for the way that we have rebelled and sinned against him. We're saved from that judgment, which is due. And we're saved from it because the just one, <laughs> Paul bore in his own body the penalty of all of our sin. So that's probably the biggest thing we're saved from. But we're saved also from ignorance. We're saved from darkness. We're saved from being lost. Eternally lost and lost now because we don't know God. And we're saved from blindness. We're saved from being without hope and without God in the world. We're saved from being far off. We're saved from exclusion. We're now included. We're rescued. We're saved from a futile way of life that we inherited from our forefathers. We're saved from that futile, useless, pointless way of life. We're saved from the course of this world, living after the pattern of the rulers of principalities in the heavenlies. And we're saved from ourselves. We're safe from the hardness of heart that is within us, from living after the dictatorship of the flesh, the earthly nature and its desires, and we're saved from the reign of sin. And we're saved because of this foolish message that to the wise, a dying God dying in my place because I needed to be saved is foolishness that a holy God came to die in the place of a sinful man, sinful woman. So the cross demonstrates a number of things, but it demonstrates the seriousness and absolute weight of sin. If, God, if Christ didn't have to die for sin to save us, he wouldn't have died. But the sin is such a separation from God, and Christ and God so loved us, that Christ paid the price of our sin. If it is possible for this cup to pass me by, let it pass me by. But not your will, but mine be done. The only way for salvation was through the cross, through this message of the cross. Christ had to die for sin for us to be saved. There's no other way. Now, Christ's death 
try and understand this properly, Christ's death is not firstly an example. It is firstly and foremost a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. It is a sacrifice for sin. It is a paying of a penalty. It is standing in the place of. Christ's death is firstly and foremostly a sacrifice for sin. The cross is a great example to be embraced. But Christ, hear me properly on this, Christ did not come to inspire us at the cross, but to save us because sin held us captive and removed us from God. He came as a sacrifice for sin to bring us to God, and we need to remember that. The cross is inspirational like nothing else, but firstly, it is the sacrifice for sin. Christ is an exemplar, but he's primarily the sacrificial lamb. So the cross reveals the seriousness and absolute weight of sin. The cross also reveals our total helplessness and hopelessness to save ourselves. Now, Calvinists call that the total depravity of man, which I think is a little bit misunderstanding because it kind of means that man isn't capable of doing anything well at all. But it doesn't mean that, the total depravity. What it means is that man in his present place is unable to present a case before a holy God that merits that he should receive life. Man is unable to redeem himself from the chains of sin. No one has been found worthy. And man was unable to renew himself, unable to redeem and mend a broken world. So depravity doesn't mean that people can't act bravely and unselfishly. They can and they do, and they often put us in the church to shade, in the shade. It doesn't mean people can't be wonderfully creative. They're made in the image of God, even if their image is marred. They can be beautifully creative with music and art and, and many, many things. And it doesn't mean they can't be good. It just means they can't be good enough because we've all sinned and fallen so far short of the glory of God. So the cross reveals the total helplessness of man. There was a, no other way. It reveals the total seriousness and weight of sin, but it also reveals the absolute wonder and enormity of the grace and love of God. In this, Romans 5 tells us, is the love of God demonstrated, that Christ died for us even though we were sin, is that God took our place in Christ Jesus. That is so wonderful, isn't it? And the message of the cross is a message of salvation. It's a message of rescue. It's a message that people need to be saved. Firstly, people need to be saved. It's not an option, but it's a necessity. And God desires, this is a lovely scripture, God desires all men everywhere to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, to be rescued, to come into this relationship. So what does it mean to be saved? I'm sure you're asking that now. We just dealt with what are we saved from? What does it mean to be saved? Well, it, it means, I think firstly and foremostly probably, it means to be in Christ Jesus. It means that we're placed in him, that everything that he is, um, speaks on our behalf so he is our refuge he's our hiding place he's our savior he's our advocate he's our deliverer 
And the only place of safety, the only place of being saved is in Christ. It's as though we are now in him so that his virtue um, can, before the throne of grace, be our virtue. This is why we're baptized, because it illustrates and symbolizes that we are now in Christ. The Holy Spirit has sealed us in him. We are in him. That is the place of safety and salvation. So firstly, to be saved means to be in Christ. Yeah. Secondly, to be saved means that we belong to Jesus. We're his. The Holy Spirit is a seal in our lives that we are his. We belong to him. I am his. And we need to live like that, that we belong to Jesus. It's no longer I that liveth, Paul says, but Christ that living in me because I am his. So it means to be in Christ. It means to belong to Jesus. It means to be a child of God in the family of God. We bear his name. We have the spirit of sonship whereby we call God father. That's what it means to be saved, to be able to say God is my Father, I have been born into his family. And finally, it means to have the promise of eternal life. He is my sure hope and he is my destiny. So I've shown you what we've saved from. I've shown you what it means to be saved. And then I'm just going to finish with the very simple thing is um, how I am saved. Um, and it rests on him. He is the savior. He is our hope. He has become the guarantor of this promise. With man, this is impossible, Jesus said, but with God, all things are possible. So how was I saved on the basis that I am now saved? How was I saved? It was through this message of the cross that Christ died for my sins. Therefore, my sins were washed in his blood. That means that he has exchanged his life for mine, redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And I was saved through receiving the Holy Spirit given to me by a risen savior who lives to intercede. And I am being saved. I'm saved by the continual washing of the blood of Jesus, by the renewal of the spirit whom God generously poured out on me through his son. I'm being saved because I am protected by the power of God for a salvation that is going to be revealed. I'm being saved because of the present ministry of the Son of God in heaven interceding for me. I am being saved because I am in Jesus. Like Noah in the ark from the flood, I am saved because I'm in Christ Jesus. He is the rock from the storm. He is the Savior. And finally, I will be saved because of him, because he is able to save. Jude finishes his little epistle by these wonderful words, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, authority, 
through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. So that question that he put about what will I say if I'm asked of my right to be in heaven? I can only ask that, answer that in the third person because Jesus is my savior, because Jesus has paid the price for me, because Jesus has saved me, because Jesus ministers this promise forever. That is the basis of our salvation that I'm in Christ Jesus, and it's all his incredible grace. And we just need to keep the cross so centrally focused all the time in our lives to realize the goodness and the grace of God. The sacrifice of Jesus offered by the eternal spirit through the eternal priesthood is able to save forever and ever, the book of Hebrews says. He's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. He is the door. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is worthy of our praise. And I would think, what a wonderful savior. Isn't he wonderful? Mm -hmm. I just loved, when I heard that little clip, I just listened to it and then I listened to it again and I listened to it again. And I just resonated in my spirit. It's like, we keep the message of the cross central. We keep Jesus central. We don't get overly complicated. Mm -hmm. Speak the truth in love is the only means by which we can be saved he's the only name the book of acts says by which we must be saved he is the savior nobody else when i have conversations with my friend alan it goes round and round and round and round and round and round and i say we all need to be saved and there's only one savior there's only one person in history who has taken the name Savior, for he will save his people from their sins. Yes, let's just pray. God in heaven, we just on awe, on our heart, on our knees, really, just to thank you. Thank you that it is by grace that we have been saved. We've been rescued. We've been delivered. We've been brought into the family of God. We've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness. We've been brought into the kingdom of the son of your love. Thank you that it is by grace we have been saved through faith, and that is not of ourselves. It is your own gift. And we, like the thief on the cross, behold you there, the innocent one dying in our places. And we say, Jesus, We say, Jesus, we call upon your name, Jesus. And your scripture is so clear that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you, Lord, that you've made it so simple that it's described as foolishness. It's described as a stumbling block to the, to the, to the wise. 
or yeah, to the Jews it's a stumbling block, to the Greeks it's foolishness. But to those who are being saved, the message of the cross is both the wisdom and the power of God. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you daily, hourly, minutely for the cross that brings us to God, that opens the door of heaven, that fills us with the Holy Spirit, that grants us life. And I thank you that we have a risen Savior who's given us the Holy Spirit, who's called us sons and daughters, who's drawn us near through the blood. We, as your body, Lord, we honor you. We praise you. We love you. We are eternally grateful. In Jesus' name. Amen.